Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Yeah, you're doing great. You got that extra sleep, right? Right? Well, compared to the first service. Anyway. Hey, we're going to shake it up a little bit here. We're going to receive the offering right now. So why don't we, why don't you all come forward? And if you would pray with me, Lord, thank you so much that we can come together, brothers and sisters today, sons and daughters of a wonderful father. Lord, we love you. We bless you. Thank you for your great love for us. We ask that you would receive these gifts back from us and multiply them and bless many, many people. Lord, glorify your name. Glorify your name through these gifts, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. You all go ahead. Um, You guys really missed it in the first service. You missed out. I'm just going to tell you. We worshiped. We all took a 30-minute nap. I didn't, even, I didn't even speak. And then we worshiped again. Done. It's good. It's what you get for missing. Um, anyway, uh, we, um, I was telling the first service, you, this is what you don't want to do on, when spring break weekend starts in, in Texas. Um, apparently, Texas Department of Transportation is, is, is replacing all of I-35 from here to, like, Canada or something. I, I, we, it took us seven hours to get back from Dallas yesterday. Seven hours. We could have driven to New Mexico. I'm not sure why we wanted to do that, but, but we could have. So, anyway, well, we're talking, about, um, we're talking about miracles. Miracles. Miracles are awesome, right? Wasn't that? I just love watching that, that video. Um, it was funny. I was asking the Lord... You know, what is a miracle? And, and I could have watched the video because it came up on the video. It's like a couple days ago. A miracle is when heaven touches earth. A miracle is the answer to, to the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. And he didn't teach us to pray like this. He didn't teach us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He did not teach us to pray like that. The actual context and the, the, the way he taught us to pray was kingdom of God come, will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we talked about this a little while back, but the implication of that prayer is that the kingdom of God and the will of God is not being done everywhere on earth right now. And, and I think we need to understand that God doesn't control you and me. He doesn't control anybody. We like to say, we hear songs, we sing songs that God's in control and all that. Well, he's really not. He's in charge, but he's not in control, if you can handle that. He's in charge, But he's not controlling anyone. He stuck two trees in paradise, and one of them was a bad choice. In paradise. Because he desires our love from a free heart, from a free will. So so we live in this tension between kingdom of God come from heaven to earth, will of God be done 
on this earth. So we're talking about, there's other words, miracles, signs, wonders, signs. The thing about a sign is, you know, you know, we've got a sign out front here. Where is it? Over here. We've got a sign out here. But we, have you ever seen anybody go and, we, we don't go and gather around that sign and worship the sign, do we? We're like, oh, Lifehouse Church, look at the medal and the address. <laughs> no, a sign points to something, right? A sign is a reality that points to a greater reality. So miracles are, they're happening all the time. And God, God desires so greatly to touch earth. But he's chosen to do that in partnership with you and me. So we get to be a part of all this, and it's amazing. And we're going to hear some stories. So I'm going to tell a story about somebody who, who has been a part of this, this congregation for a long time and just a miracle that's taken place in their life. We're going to talk about the power of the story. We're going to talk about the power of a song. And um, God desires, I want us to understand this, God desires that we encounter him, that we not just know about him, but that we encounter him over and over and over and over again. He is a personal God. He's, everything he does is, is universally personal. He's the only one that can do this, but he can, he can be thinking the, the most intimate, personal, loving thoughts towards Ronnie right now while he's thinking those thoughts towards a young child in Uganda. And he, does, he can do this seven billion times over because he is God and he is personal. So everything he does is personal. Just like, it's like, it's like if, I, okay, like Ruth, my wife, if, what would it be like? Think about your loved ones, the, one, the people you love the most on this earth that are closest to you. I don't think, Ruth would settle for me having a friend of mine tell her about me every day and tell her how much I love her. Like, we wake up, I just leave and go do my thing, but, but, but Sean calls her and says, hey, I just wanted to let you know how much Brian is awesome and he loves you. He loves you. And then later in the day, you know, maybe Matt calls and says, hey, I just want you to know, Ruth, how much Brian loves you. He's amazing, isn't he? <laughs> At some point, that's not very satisfying, right? Hebrews 1 says that in the old days, God spoke through prophets. But today, in these last days, he has spoken through Jesus. So if you want to know how he feels about you. Just look at Jesus and how he acted, what he said. So he wants us to encounter him personally. He paid the highest price so we could encounter him on a regular basis. He did something about it. The Bible says in Romans 5, I think it's 8, he demonstrated. What did he demonstrate? His Awesomeness, his greatness. No, his love. He's a God of love. I mean, he's all those things. But the thing that motivated Jesus to the cross was love. He didn't have to go 
He wanted to go. And I'm, I'm just, I want to remind us of who he is and who we are, what that means to us as we, as we talk about praise and worship and testimony and those kind of things. He wanted so badly. I mean, do we, I mean it's, it's hard to conceive of this to some extent, but it's a matter of faith. He wanted to go to the cross for you and me so that we could be restored as sons and daughters, not as followers, sons and daughters, just like before sin came into the world. The Bible says in Romans 5, I think, Five, that he justified us. We've been, we've been justified by faith and we have peace with God. Justified means just as if I'd never sinned, right? It's a good word. It's easy to remember. He made us completely innocent. That's what that means. We can't do that. He did it. And we're at peace. We're at one with him. We're at one with him. So remember that. I, want you, I just want to remind us of that. He knows all about your past. He knows all about my past. All those things we did, he knows all about. He knew, you know what? He came before you did them. He knowing that you did them, knowing that you would do them. So believe it. Believe that. Don't believe the lie that you are the last sin you committed. You are your worst day. No, he has cleansed us completely. He's washed us. The Bible says he's washed us. He's set us apart. He's cleansed us. He's bound himself to us in covenant, and nothing, nothing, nothing can separate us from him. Not one thing. Nothing can separate you from the presence of God. We're going to talk about a couple of guys who were in the most dire circumstance that the thought had to come into their mind, where, where are you, God? It would have come into my mind. So Acts 16, we're going to talk about this story about these two guys, Paul and Silas. They were uh, running around doing the stuff, man. They were, Jesus said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. They were doing that. That's what we're, that's what we're made for. So they're, they're out there doing that. And... Um, they end up running into this, uh, these people, and there's a slave girl who's the property of these, these people, and she's a fortune teller, and somehow she's, she's uh, you know, she must be amazing. I mean, she, maybe she's telling people their future. I don't know, but she's demon-possessed, all right? And um, it says she was following them, and she was basically mocking them, and it says, the word says Paul just got annoyed. He got annoyed with her. So he just said, come out of her. He cast the devil right out of her, and it came out of her. And then it said she, she couldn't tell any fortunes any longer, which, I, you know, I was thinking about the last few times I've been in a, you know, gotten a fortune cookie. Those fortunes are getting super lame, aren't they, these days? <laughs> Remember when they were, like, really kind of Confucius-like? I mean, like, hmm, you know, you kind of go, hmm, I don't know. But now they're like... Uh, some guy back in the kitchen is writing them or something. It's like, it's like uh, you're going to smile at someone and they're going to smile back. You know, or something stupid. So anyway, 
They, so they've cast, he cast the devil out of this, this girl, and every, they're all up in arms. This must have been a huge deal, okay? She was, she was doing something super spiritual because she couldn't anymore. So they all got so mad that they beat them. They were bleeding, and they put them into, it says, the inner prison. And they fastened their feet in stocks. So they're here in this, in this prison. And it says, picking it up at, at verse 25, I'm going to read. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we're all here. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe. Just believe. And you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. There's several observations we can make here. But the first one, you know, there's always a question. Most of us have heard this story lots of times, and there's always, you know, it's usually like the formula for getting out of prison, you know, or something like that. Um, But these guys were singing and praying. So anybody ever wondered, what were they singing, you know? like I, I think I know what they were not singing which some of us would maybe sing. And they were not singing, I'm pretty sure. Should I sing this? Like, why God, where are you? You know, I mean, like, (laughs) we're doing the work. (laughs) And this is what we get for that, you know. (laughs) I don't think they were singing that. I mean, these are guys who who had not just seen miracles, but they had, they, had, they had experienced and encountered God. It's not about seeing awesome things happen. They, they had experienced him personally. I mean, think about Paul. I've talked about this before, but Paul, I mean, here's a guy who was killing people in the name of God, putting them in prison. And God cares enough about Paul to intervene in a mighty way, knocks him off his horse. It takes him, basically, he spends years of God revealing to him who God is and who he is, which he probably needed, right? I mean, we're not comparing, although we always do compare, right? But he was pretty bad. He was a bad guy. He was a really bad guy. But he came to the place where he could say, I've been washed. I was washed. Not, I'll be washed next time I, next time I sin, I'll 
Say, I'm sorry, and maybe I'll feel clean again. He was washed, man. He was, it says, it, he, he says, he was crucified with Christ. His old man, he said, was dead and gone. He was, oh, born again. Have you ever heard of that? Born again. So that's who we are. That's who Paul and Silas knew they were. They were they'd been born again of an incorruptible seed, the word says. A seed that cannot be stopped from growing into the character and the constancy of, of God and who he is. That's, that's what we have inside of us. And that's what Paul and Silas had in them. So I don't know what they were singing, but they were probably singing something like, through every loss or victory. We don't know. Is this a loss? Is this a victory? Well, I only live to bring you glory. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. They could have been singing that. I don't know. It was something like that, probably. They were lifting up songs of love. You know what? This lady once told, said, you know, he was talking about Jesus, about worship. And he said, the Father is seeking worshipers. He's looking for worshipers. And he came seeking. That was worship in spirit and in truth. And he was talking to the Pharisees once and he said, your, your lips, you know, you guys talk about me all the time, but your heart is far from me. Which implies that he wants, he wants our hearts close to him. Paul's and Silas's hearts, they were, they were in love with a loving God. So they were lifting up songs of love. And this thing happens. I mean, it was so amazing that it didn't just unlock their chains. It unlocked everybody's chains in that prison. That's the power. That's the power of a love song right there. I mean, we like love songs, right? I'm not going to sing any love songs. But... I was the kind of guy, some of you are like this, I, I remembered every little nuance of every song back in the 80s, man. <laughs> you, you, I, you, you sing the verse and I'll throw in the he, you know, or the, you know, all that stuff. But music is powerful. Music is powerful. It's, it's I was telling, telling yesterday, Ruth and I were in Whataburger, and, the, and then I, I'm up in the middle of the night last night laying in bed having a little bit of anxiety about this. And this is the song going through my head, playing in Whataburger yesterday. Really helpful. I'm just going to say this is really helpful. I can make a living out of loving you. Be a millionaire in a week or two. Doing what I love and loving what I do. I can make a living out of loving you. What is that? That doesn't help me at all, okay? It does not. I mean... Those kind of songs are powerful to, to invoke memories and bring back some memories and emotions usually. But let me tell you, the power of, of our love song to the Father is you cannot underestimate it. And, and, and we're going to urge you today to encourage us all to just, as we're, we're going to worship some more later, but just to lift, when you lift your voice, do not underestimate the power, the power 
the freedom-bringing, miracle-working power, not just to yourself, but to, to people around you. You know those prisoners? What do you want to do when you're in prison? You want to get out, right? Those, they all stayed there. Paul's like, we're all here. I'm like, what are you doing here? It's like, well, um, these guys were singing, and all my chains fell off. I probably, I think I want to stick around and see what that's all about, right? I mean, gosh, that was amazing. Amazing. So, Paul and Silas were already free. They were already free in that prison. God had set them free, and they were ready. They were ready for anything, and they were just lifting up. You deserve, you deserve it all. We give you the highest praise. So the power of a song lifted up in faith and trust to a loving father reminds us, reminds us who's in charge. It reminds us who's in charge. And it reminds us that the one who's in charge happens to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords, king of the universe. And that the king of the universe happens to be my father. Just like he's Jesus' father. Jesus was the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, it says. And God is not ashamed to call you his son and his daughter. He's not ashamed. Jesus took care of that. I don't care whatever shameful thing you think you've done. Jesus took his blood and presented it to God, just like the old priests in the old covenant. They did it every year. Well, he did it once, the Bible says, for all time and once for every person. Every person, even that person that you didn't vote for. Every person is loved by God. That means you. That means me. So Jesus took his blood, and for once, once and for all, God was satisfied forever. That's the basis of our love song to God. And lastly, the power that comes when we sing, when we lift up our voices to our Father, is that it invites him to come into our circumstances, in our situation. The Bible says he's enthroned upon our praises. It doesn't say he's enthroned on our thoughts. It doesn't say he's enthroned upon our good behavior. He's enthroned upon the praises of his people. That means the king. That means the king comes. That means when we, when we get up here in a few minutes and we start to sing to him, that means he's going to... The king is going to come in a special, in, in a unique, personal, special way to circumstances all over this room, and not even in this room, maybe. You may, you may, you may have people that you're thinking about, but when you, that, that need a miracle, and when you lift up your voice in love to our Father, in faith and trust in Him, trust that He's going to come and and take his throne. So that's the power of a song. There's also the power of a story. You know, stories, stories are great too. They're kind of like songs. Stories, stories can move us, move us to, to, to think, and um, they can encourage us. They can make us sad. You know, kind of, there's lots of emotion with, with stories, kind of like songs. But 
But when there's a story of God's, of something God has done, there's an extra component to it. Um, I'm going to read you a story, and then I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. You guys know, most of you know Ian and Crystal Goodman. Ian and Crystal left last year to go to Niceville, Florida. You like to live in Niceville? <clears throat> He's in the Air Force, so, so they, they headed that way. But I asked him to, they've had a, 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 a real miracle in their life. And I, so I just wanted to share this testimony, and I'm going to tell you why I'm sharing it in a moment. But, but here's their story. Uh, Ian is writing, and he says, first and foremost... I want to start by making it known that neither Crystal nor I feel that this is our story at all, but instead a powerful testimony to the sovereignty of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Secondly, we want to say hello to our Lifehouse Church family from down here in the Florida Panhandle. Hey, maybe they're watching. Everybody wave hello. Hello. Now, on to the good stuff. The journey, this journey really began before Crystal and I got married. Crystal had been told by her doctor growing up, starting at the age of 16, that she would likely never be able to have or bear a child because of medical reasons. I was made aware of this when we began dating again in 2008, at which point I spent a significant time praying for direction before we committed uh, to our future together. About one month into my prayer journey, I received a dream from the Lord. In that dream, he showed many children running up to me. The children were of several different nationalities as well, and, as, and, and spoke many languages, but they all translated to dad. At that moment, I knew that God would provide and that he would shepherd my heart throughout this relationship. Crystal had been praying as well, and together we interpreted our messages as God preparing our hearts to be parents in the form of adoption. Fast forward one and a half years, and Crystal was evaluated by a different physician who also confirmed that Crystal could likely not ever bear children. At this point, we had accepted a different path for our lives and got married in the summer of 2010. <clears throat> we then moved to San Antonio in 2012 and began our lives in the U.S. Air Force in surgical residency. Throughout this time, we continued to feel that our path was lit towards adoption, but because of the hours of residency, we decided to hold off until residency completed. While here, we had one more OBGYN appointment and were again told that biological children would be nearly impossible. During our fifth year in San Antonio, we attended our annual marriage conference in Colorado Springs. During this conference, we were given six hours alone with God, in which we each went our separate ways and prayed and listened to the Lord. When we came back from this time, we each asked each other, um, what did you hear the Lord telling you? Our response to each other was astounding. We had each been told to trust in me and place your family in my hands. I'm sovereign, but must be given the sovereign place in every area of your life. The next morning, we had some spiritual leaders at the conference pray for wisdom and discernment. So we returned home to San Antonio and continued our prayer journey and decided to fully trust in God and for the first time, pray for a biological child of our own. At this point, we moved to Florida, and as the months moved on, we began to place a shot clock on God. He says, ha-ha. We knew that with my potential upcoming deployment in October 2018, we thought we should change our emphasis back to, to adoption starting in November. But God had other plans, and in September of 17, 
He provided us with an amazing blessing and a viable and, to, and, and healthy baby girl. There was yet another attack from the enemy around seven weeks of pregnancy with the fear that we may, lost, we may have lost our miracle. However, with prayers from our parents and some spiritual mentors, the Lord continued to strengthen our tiny baby. We ultimately, well, Crystal now is 22, 20, 22, 23 weeks pregnant, and she's due July 13, 2018, and have no medical concerns. We've decided to name her Madeline Noel and know that she is and always will be our little miracle child. There she is right there. Yeah. Yes. Many of you have known our story throughout the years and have prayed with us. We are thankful for the love, support, and prayers you've provided, but we truly give all glory to God. Now listen, <clears throat> this is a great story. It's a miracle. But let me tell you about a testimony. In the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, the word testimony, the root of that word comes from the root that's, that is do again. It's to do again. So wrapped up in a testimony is potential is really prophetic potential for anybody that would, would, would grab a hold of it. Whether it's, it's for this specific need or any need, it's, it's, it's a sign that points to a greater reality of the love and care of God and His desire and His willingness to bring heaven to earth. If you want to know if He's willing, just look at Jesus. Don't look at your life experience and what... Ha- you know, we feed so much on what hasn't happened, feed on what God has done. Don't get caught up in what hasn't happened. I mean, there's, there's, there's mystery to this life, and there's great freedom in I don't know. But whatever happens, whatever you've experienced, whatever, we, look, we've all, we've all been touched by tragedy and don't understand, but let me tell you what, where not to go. Those things have nothing to do with the unchanging character of God and His goodness and His kindness. So when we share a testimony like this, we're saying, do it again. Do it again, Lord. Do it again in my life. Do it in in, in my loved one's life. You guys can come up, Jeremy. Do it again. Testimony carries in it the power to change something now. So when we share a testimony of God's miraculous interventions, we're creating an atmosphere for the one who, as we have on the back of that wall, the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I believe the Lord wants to do a miracle in your life, in my life. I think he wants to do hundreds of them. He wants to encounter us multiple times. It's, we're, we're talking about a relationship here, all right? Why don't we all stand? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna enter back into, into worship. And I really want to encourage you. Some of you, I know some of you don't like to sing. And I don't know why. I know there's lots of reasons why. Some people don't sound good, all that kind of stuff. But 
Listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying today. When you open your mouth, it's powerful. It is powerful when you open your mouth and you lift up songs of praise and worship to God in the middle of things that are seemingly impossible. But there's, I think I heard there's nothing impossible with God. Nothing, nothing impossible with God. And nothing can separate you from Him. There's nothing that can separate you from the presence of God. Not one thing, not one person. Not one person that is irritating you. Not that one that's really close to you, that's bothering you all the time. Nothing can, nothing can separate you and me from the presence of God. So, as we go back, and we're gonna, I'm going to come back in a minute and pray, but let's get our hopes up. Let's get our hopes up as we, as we sing about and sing to a God of miracles who wants to do miracles in our lives today. Okay?